Good morning. Man, first service was like one-third of you and did better than that. Good morning. All right, we're awake. If I haven't met you, my name's Eric. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the uh, humbling opportunity to, to share God's word with you this morning. Um, I hope you had a great Christmas um, as we bring 2017 to a close and we look to 2018. Um, I was looking back on this year and I learned something uh, this last year that I want to tell you so that you know this for the entirety of 2018. And here's what it is. <laughs> Vinegar. So my wife, her name's Savannah, and she taught me this year um, something that I didn't know. She has a cure-all for everything. Did you know vinegar is a cure-all for everything? If you're a mom or a grandma, or if you just know that, raise your hand. Okay, so not everybody knows that. So some of us are learning valuable information to take us into 2017. And it's, it's free of, oh, 2018. I just realized the 32 is coming in 2018 also, and that's terrifying. Oh, man, pray for me. Okay, amen. So my wife taught me that vinegar, like, it's, it's free of chemicals. It's safe uh, for the children to smell and drink and eat. But she uses it for everything. If there's a clogged drain, never mind Drano, we're going to use vinegar. Uh, if there's some sort of stain that needs to get washed out, never mind Windex or spray and wash or anything else. Pine Sol, I miss the Pine Sol lady. She was great. Vinegar. Pine salt smelled so much better. You ready for this? If your kids get a sunburn, vinegar. Did you know that? Even some of you vinegar people didn't know that one. Here's the problem. It's her cure-all, and I'm convinced that it only works as well as it does because she believes in it so much. Like, she thinks it's like this secret that she's taking to the grave. But here's the thing. I hate vinegar. Everything up, amen. There, I'll take that, amen. All the, from the taste to the smell to the chips. Like, my wife knows it is a cure-all repellent. If she doesn't want me to kiss her ever again, she eats salt and vinegar chips. Now, here's my confession to you this morning, like, I'm hesitant and reluctant to admit that it is a cure-all because that means that she's right and my propensity is to want to be right. And so you would be amazed if you were a fly on the wall in the young household to hear the arguments that have gone on over vinegar because she will use it to remove stains from my favorite chair so then I can't sit in it without smelling vinegar I Use anything else. But here's what happens. As I get caught up trying to argue, and I end up being ungrateful that she solved the problem. And I'm just frustrated that I didn't solve the problem. And I completely am too busy focusing on myself and my preferences and everything I hate about vinegar that I overlook what's important. In life, have you ever been so caught up or focused on something that felt 
like you had resolve in, but in doing so, you lost sight of what was important? This happens to me with my priorities. This happens to me with my calendar. Um, if you want to hear about like the real, um, well, I guess it's not on par with vinegar, maybe a little worse. You could talk to my wife about my time management. Bad. But sometimes we get things out of order when our perspective shifts, and it's amazing to me how much a little tiny perspective can go a long way. A little perspective can change the entire way we view not just the situation, but our life and the world. See, 2017 wasn't the worst year of my life. It was actually one of the better ones. And it's because 2016 was probably the hardest year of my life. 2015 and 2016 culminated into some of the most stressful years of my life where God said, all right, Eric, it's time for you to learn um, what it means to be a grown-up. Meaning, he threw some things at me that were really hard, and I couldn't carry them by my own strength, and, and I couldn't control the situation and the outcome. And for the people in here that know me, like, I like being in control. You ever feel tempted to just grab hold of things and, and to be in control? And, and what happens is as you try and grasp at all the things that aren't in your control, you end up like letting go of or losing sight of what you do control or what does matter. So going into 2018, what are we focusing on? See, 2017, I spent like reshifting my focus from things such as lack and focusing on the things I didn't have uh, or worry about the things that I, I couldn't control or the things that I, I didn't know how the situation was going to end up or comparison, all the ways that in my mind, I, in my insecurity, I wasn't measuring up to who I wanted to be or I thought other people needed me to be. Being overwhelmed and overcome by the anxiety that came with like a clinical diagnosis of this, this, this crashing point where stress and uncertainty and sleepless nights and a brain that wouldn't shut off and this isolation into myself pushing people away, pushing God away, I found myself overwhelmed. But similar to vinegar, God has been teaching me a very simple solution. Simple never means easy. Simple doesn't always mean easy. And just like vinegar is simple, the taste of it, the smell of it, isn't always enjoyable. So I'd like to give you uh, a cure-all I've found in Scripture. If you've ever found yourself overwhelmed, overrun, over-anxious about life and the circumstances that are thrown at you, that are going to come at you in 2018 that you don't even know about yet, as this idea of thankfulness, See, I decided in 2017, because I skipped being thankful all of November, 
um, the year before that I'm going to try and be thankful starting in January. Has it been the best year of me being thankful? Well, actually, yeah, because the first year I tried. But was I perfect? No. <laughs> and what I've found and I've come to learn through this gift of grace that God has given us through his word, first and foremost, is that we truly can restore peace of mind in such a way that it recaptures a restless heart. And we're going to see that laid out in scripture today. So the question that we're looking at today is, what if for 2018, prayerful thankfulness was a regular response to life as it unfolds? Like, just go here with me. What if, imagine, here's the best part. I don't know the answer. Buckle up. If you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And and here's how I love this story that God's unfolding through uh, thankfulness. He actually uh, drew me to this place out of desperation to a scripture that I had read hundreds, if not thousands of times. Uh, I sure as goodness, had heard it. But then, as only God does, in moments of surrender, he reveals himself in new and powerful ways. In quiet stillness of simplicity. He says this, Paul is writing to a church of people, encouraging them um, in the midst of incredible persecution, in the midst of this early church movement that's begun. And he writes this, he says, Always be full of joy. In the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. We stop there. Okay, Paul. I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I think that every word, because it's divinely inspired by God, um, and I don't want to say God said something he didn't say, but I also don't want to say he didn't say something he did say. So the word here is always. That just doesn't even seem fair. Really? How can I always be full of joy, God? Have you seen my children? (laughs) Vinegar. (laughs) It says always be full of joy. Not in your circumstance or in your happiness or your security or your wealth or what you know and what you can control. He says, in what? In the Lord. He also says be full. To be full of something means you need to be filled with something. What are we trying to fill the joy with? Is it filling up with the Lord? He's laying a great foundation here for where he's going. He continues. He says, here's why. He says, let everyone see that you are considered in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. See, there's something that happens in our life when we have a a life that's shaped by this joy that's found only in the Lord. Is this, and it's found that thankfulness produces a joyful faith that reveals the hope and love of Jesus to everyone. Do you know that person? That person that just, it doesn't matter how bad, all four tires can be slashed. They could get and then they could be carjacked. And then somebody could use their debit card at a drive through with that car with four flat tires. It was funnier in my head. Um, 
And then they still find a way to be thankful. They find something in the midst of that to be thankful for. Those people, I, I, don't, I can't stand them. But they're on to something. In the midst of circumstances beyond our control, when we see people that have this peace that only comes from God, a joy that strengthens that peace, what are they revealing to us? That they have hope that comes from the love and grace and the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's revealed to everyone, and it impacts those around us. See, our attitude that is shaped by our perspective and the way in which we view our circumstances and our situations, it, it affects people. If you don't think attitude affects the people around you, you can hang out with my five-year-old. Her name's Ellie. She's great, but she's a diva. <laughs> but thankfulness produces something different. He continues in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, now he starts getting crazy. He says, don't worry about anything. Remember that word all? We're like, did it really mean always? But don't worry about anything. I just don't have a box for that. Like, that doesn't make sense in my mind at all because there's so many things that I um, am worried about, like, in this moment. Like, what's for lunch? Is my wife going to be okay with the vinegar story? No, but we don't worry about anything. He says, instead, meaning I'm going to offer you an alternate solution now. I'm going to offer you the answer to the problem, the cure-all. Instead, pray about everything. Everything? Like breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Um, when I really just want something specific or I need you to intervene in a very specific, supernatural way, God? When I'm stirred emotionally or when... I feel so distant from you, and I realize, oh, I have hit, I bottomed out. Now, now I'm going to pray. I'm praying everything. It's your decisions, your conversations, your relationships, your kids, your wife, your spouse, your job, how God is working in and through you, the people that he's put around you, who you are reflecting and revealing him to, that he is calling you maybe to intentionally invest in a relationship with that person so that they could come to the saving knowledge, grace, and glory that he offers, maybe. Pray about some of those things. Pray when you are overwhelmed with gratitude and thankfulness for the things that he's provided that we've taken for granted every single day. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And he continues... Tell God what you need. And thank Him for all He's done. I think this order actually plays into things too. Tell God what you need first. Why? What does that have to do with anything? You see, there's something that happens in our heart and our soul and our mind when we 
like the starting point for us, like the first line of the conversation is telling God that we need him. Because what it's actually doing is we are acting on our faith and belief, and we are with our actions tangibly laying down whatever we have, saying, God, what I have isn't enough, and I need you. It's an act of surrender and submission that we are invited into because in that and that alone do we find freedom. So our starting point is to tell God what we need. And there's a big difference between telling God what we need and what we want or what we'd like. So with a prayerful, reflective heart, coming to God saying, okay, here, God, here's where I need you. My strength is gone. I'm depleted. I got nothing. I don't have the answer. I can't figure this out. I don't know what's going to happen. It's making me really uncomfortable. I'm really tired of them, and they just, I, oh, I know you love them, but it's hard for me to love them, but please help me love them. Like, God, I need you to intervene in ways that only you can. It's an act of faith. We move on to being thankful before we wait for an answer to telling him what we need. Seems curious that a God who knows what we need is still asking us and telling us and inviting us to tell him what we need. Man, how gracious is our God that he knows not only what we need, but he knows like how we are tempted to approach him. Relying on ourself. And he continues, and thank him for all he has done. Thankfulness is a powerful thing. It's a simple thing that can change your life's entire perspective. Thankfulness isn't everyone's default. Some people are naturally just thankful, and it's usually because they were brought up in a place or a culture where, or an environment where there was just lots of gratitude around them. Like, and I'm talking genuine appreciation, not like forces a child to write thank you cards to like great aunt Susie. I had to do that, and it didn't make me any more thankful. I don't even think she got them, but... But thankfulness, it changes things. Because what it does is it causes us to stop. Because we don't stop very often. We're not good at stopping. Well, I'm, so I'm lumping you in generally with me, okay? I'm not good at stopping. I'm not good at slowing down. In fact, I like to know not just like two or three or four steps ahead, but like my, my brain actively is trying to figure it out like 20 to 100 steps ahead. And in that, I can be so caught up in what I don't understand or consumed by everything around me that um, doesn't make sense that I'm trying to make sense of or I'm trying to rein in that I lose sight 
of all the things to be thankful for. Here's what thankfulness does for us. Thankfulness redirects our attention from ourselves and what we can't control to our loving God who's in control. Amen? Here's what the simple thing of thankfulness does. In making us slow down, it actually redirects our attention from ourselves and everything around us that we can't control to a God who is not just in control, but is good and loving. And like even wants us to look at him. He doesn't have to. He's so glorious. He's so holy. That in the midst of our sin and brokenness, it is only by his grace that we can up, not just even approach, but even look at him. And I love how the Spirit stirred Veronica, who courageously and boldly spoke up this morning and said, hey, like, you don't need to wait. Because the goodness of that big God, who knows that he's holy, who knows that he's righteous, and we're not, invites us through the person and work of Jesus that we spent all morning singing about. Did it feel like worship went on for an hour and nobody cared? Like, we're not done. But that God invites us to remind ourselves. Like we, we're not reminding him what he did for us. We're not reminding him who he is. We're just putting our faith into action. We're like actually building our belief. Because isn't it true that the more you say things, the more that you act on things, the more, like, you focus on something, like, it becomes, like, part of who you are. It becomes part of your thinking. It becomes part of your process. These are positive people, right? So the power of positivity, mindfulness. You see this stuff. I mean, they're, they're getting rich quick for a reason, like, because people are buying this stuff because it's true. Like, if you are around positive people who constantly think positively, like, they're just going to be more joyful. Apart from Christ, it doesn't mean that they're more satisfied or fulfilled. But there's something about our brains and how it interacts with our mind and our consciousness. And, and it'll, it's fascinating to me how when we try and control it and we focus on the wrong things, how overcome we get with anxiety. My default tendency is to become really critical of things. And when I become critical of things, I don't remain grateful for things. When I don't remain grateful for things, I, I just don't like things. I'm not fun to be around. I'm irritable. I'm not joyful. I'm not vulnerable. I don't let, I don't trust people. I don't let them in in the same way as maybe I once did. I, and I, it continues to push people and God further away. It's all because I'm being overrun and overwhelmed by anxiety. It's a hot button word in our culture today. I'm not downplaying any diagnosis of it. It's a very real thing. 
But there are tendencies of this epidemic that we're responsible for. By the way that uh, we focus our time and our attention and we don't actually stop and think and we aren't thankful. We're just waiting for the next thing. So he says in verse 7, then, this is one of the most important four-letter words you're ever going to like highlight in your Bible. It says then, which means this, after you do this, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Amen? God's peace. Not world peace. Not your security. Not your self-controlled comfort and convenience. But God's peace that, that is present when it doesn't make sense. God's peace. We've heard these stories too. We know these people too who, because they live this life so connected with God that it doesn't matter the diagnosis. They just seem to be the only one with peace or joy when everyone else has panic. The people that endure loss, but they know that that person had hope that was placed in Jesus. And they, they are able to say, you know what? Yes, I'm going to grieve this, but I am so, so excited for the eternity that they just walked into. That was an upgrade. The people that in the midst of financial ruin, outside of their control, actually believe God is a God who does crazy things and owns a, a lot of cows on a lot of hills because that's what the Bible says and he is going to provide every need according to his riches and his glory. There's something different about that kind of peace than something we can manufacture or fabricate for ourselves for a moment. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What we just saw that peace or, or God's peace does, or thankfulness does for us, is it reveals God's presence and peace that overcomes when we're overwhelmed. Thankfulness reveals God's presence and His peace that overcomes when we're overwhelmed. And the book of Revelation chapter 7 is telling the story, it's painting a picture of how this whole thing's going to end, and it's pretty awesome, we win. And it says this, like, and they will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of of their testimony. Like, it's won. It's done. But they will overcome, not just by the word of their testimony, not just by their words and their efforts, but first and foremost, foremost, by the blood of the Lamb, which gives them a testimony. Jesus even says, in John chapter 16, he says, I've told you these things so that you will have peace in me. 
Because in this world, you will have trouble. Like he doesn't mix words, yet we live in a, a culture and a society. And I would dare to say, I see this even in the church at times, when the greatest enemy of, or the greatest weapon of the enemy is the surprise of pain. He will surprise us with pain and we'll go, God, where were you? What happened? This isn't right. This isn't the right story. But Jesus made it clear in this world, you're going to have it. But he doesn't stop the story there. Amen. What does he say next? But take heart. I have overcome the entire world. Amen. As we close, we see Paul shift to giving this faithful church something tangible that they can do to redirect their minds. And in your bulletin, you got a card. And this is something that I've put into practice over the last year, not because I'm completely free and rid of anxiety but by the grace of God I, I've been able to find ways to manage it and he gives this list of things that will take someone's attention and, fo and focus off of the hardship or the things at hand that are um, the burdens and it will redirect someone's focus He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, and a final thing is always an important thing. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of And I don't know if this will work for you, but I just wanted to share something that's like this helped me a little. In moments where I'm overrun and overwhelmed with anxiety or I'm burdened by temptation to choose my flesh and to choose what I know is wrong, to choose something less than God's best that I know he has for me, that he will continually offer me every time that I don't choose him, he's still going to offer it to me. This is something that I tangibly do physically in the moment, and I write a list. Any list people? I love me some lists. You can find me at 4 a.m. Ferndale Hagen, uh, January 19th. Ferndale Starbucks is opening up. It's a dream come true, amen. I'll be there at 4 a.m. writing lists to start my day. There's something that happens, because in that moment when you can't seem to get your thoughts straight and for me the way anxiety manifests is like my brain doesn't shut off it goes a thousand miles an hour and i shut down so like outside i'm just inside is and it just breaks down the passage we just looked at very simple short verse first tell god where in life you need him Step one. Step two, 
Thank him for what he's done and what he's doing. Last, reflect and fix your thoughts on what is true. And there's a box there. Just write in what's true and honorable. What's honorable? What's right? Not, not I'm right, but what's right? What's pure? What's lovely? What's admirable? What's excellent? What's worthy of praise? And by the end of that list, in that short period of time, there's something that happens in your neurology, your brain science, that whatever was going a thousand miles an hour is breathed. I invite the worship team to come forward as we close out today. Here's why I think that happens. Because we are wired when, in such a way that the God of the universe, who's so creative, created us in such a way that when we pray to him in the right way, fully surrendered and submitted, like he's hardwired us for it to change us. Not just spiritually, but in our, in our brain. You see, there's something when we pray called the reticular activating system that is engaged. When we pray, but it's also when we take in information. And, and what this is, is this is actually a, a group of nerves at the beginning of the brain stem that filters all the information that comes at us. And it, and it chooses what is going to actually go to different parts of our brain and it disregards the things that we haven't deemed important. But what's been proven is when we can actually, um, we can actually train. This is like muscle memory for your brain. It's called reticular formation. And we can control it to some extent, meaning what we regularly put in front of us and what we regularly choose to think on and what we regularly like make ourselves focus on it will actually change our brain chemistry in such a way that we'll start seeing things differently that's that's powerful what that tells me is that thankfulness refocuses our mind in such a way. God created us that we could actually do something because of his grace and in his strength that we can refocus our minds back to what matters most. And that's his son, Jesus, and the glorious work that he's done. And that does something powerful. It returns our hearts, not just to a place of peace, but it returns our hearts to the place of worship that we were created to be in. It returns us to the worship we were created for. God created us to be in relationship with him, to worship him because he is worth it. So when we pray, when we're thankful, when we reflect, and when we stop and we step away from all the things that distract us, we're able to breathe and look up 
and see the smiling, glorious face of our Savior again. And he says, hey, I've never left you. I've been right here. I'm excited to see you. And we have no other response if we have seen that face than to worship. Will you stand as we close? We're going to sing this song again. And I don't think there's any better way for us to enter 2018 than reflecting on the truth of the gospel message that the lyrics in this song lay out. It says, I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. And it goes on and it finishes the story. It says, O trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. So we're going to declare, and I pray that you declare loudly, boldly, and confidently, O praise the name, O praise the name of the Lord our God, O praise his name forevermore. Holy God, I pray that today as your spirit has been at work um, and that your word that was delivered, it doesn't return void, God. I pray the only thing that touches hearts and touches minds and takes root today is your word and your word alone, God. God, I pray that as we reflect on all that you've done um, on 2017 and all that we hope and expect and anticipate from you in 2018, that we would confidently and boldly declare this to you today, that you are worthy of our praise. Amen.